Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, so how many of you all actually stayed up uh, till midnight on New Year's Eve? Show of hands. Yeah, a few. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not so much to uh, see the new year in, but to actually make sure that 2020 left. Right. Um, so uh, my wife and I, we, we did stay up this year. Um, and, and I'm not going to lie, uh, during the, the countdown, I felt this like lump in my throat and I was holding back tears and I'm like, what the heck is going on with me? Oh yeah, 2020 was terrible. That's what this is all about. It was mostly terrible. But you know, New Year's, uh, it's this kind of like fascinating tradition that, that we have. We, we have all these hopes, all these wishes for the future, maybe even more so this year than ever before, but it's just another day. Uh, the calendar flips and it's very similar to probably the day that went before it. And, and whether or not you stayed up for New Year's or not, or, or you made resolutions or not, we still pay attention to it B because as, as the cliche goes, time is our most valuable asset. And that's pretty true, right? I mean, we, we wear watches, we glance at clocks to make sure that we don't lose track of time. But more important than knowing what time it is, is to know what to do with our time. But what do we actually do with the time that we have? That's a, that's a very important question to ask. In fact, in Psalm 90, Moses, he prays this famous prayer to God and, and starts off going, you know, God, you are everlasting to everlasting. You are be beyond our comprehension, our constructs of time. But we as human beings, we are just, well, we're dust. We, we can't possibly understand this, that, that at our best, we might make it 70 or 80 years. And so he says this in verse 12, he says, so God, this prayer, so God, Teach us to number our days so we can have a wise heart. Teach us to number our days that, that if we were to live our days as if they were numbered, because they are numbered, they are limited. We only have so many days here on this earth that if, that if we were to live our lives as if our days were numbered, then we would make better decisions with our time, knowing that our time is limited. Therefore, we would have a wise heart. And so the question then becomes, how does your little itty bitty story and my little itty bitty story of 70, 80, maybe 90 years, God willing, fit within God's larger story? The story that God is telling from everlasting to everlasting. And so to try to answer this question and, and talk about this, um, we're trying to answer this question. What do we do with the time that we have? So to answer this, we're going to turn to one of my favorite books in the Bible. Actually, uh, the first sermon uh, that I ever preached as a teenager came from this book. Um, but I would recommend that you don't read this book until you've actually hit a midlife crisis, because you're just going to want to go crawl in a hole and never see the light of day again. I'll, I'll tell you about that in, in just a second. Um, but uh, I'm an old soul, I guess. So, so I can get away with it. Um, but uh, if you're maybe not even a Bible person, um, this book is written for you. That, that if you, if you wonder if there even is a God and life seems just random and pointless, this book has been written 
for you. And yes, it's actually in the Bible. And, and this book is so important because of who, of who wrote it and why they wrote it. Let me explain that. The book is Ecclesiastes. And we don't actually know for sure who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. There's actually two speakers in the book. There's the author or the editor and the teacher. And so the author shows up at the very beginning, the first verse, um, and introduces us to the teacher. And then we hear the author again at the very end to kind of give us a conclusion about all of the teacher's lessons. Now, the name for the teacher is, is Koheleth in Hebrew or Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes in Greek that gets translated to English. And it just means someone who gathers like a teacher who gathers students around for a lesson. So some think that the teacher in Ecclesiastes is King Solomon, the third King of Israel, the wisest man who ever lived. And it kind of makes sense. Others think that this is someone who's writing this book uh, much later on, but they're sort of taking on a Solomon uh, personality or persona. But whether King Solomon wrote it or someone else wrote it later on who took on Solomon's persona, the main reason why this book is so interesting is, is the reason why it was written. It, it was written to try to answer this question once and for all, what is the meaning of life? And so the book of Ecclesiastes, it's part of this Old Testament collection of books uh, called wisdom literature. Now there's three books in wisdom literature. There's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And Ecclesiastes, it's kind of like a critique of the book of Proverbs. So think of Proverbs as this young first year elementary school teacher, young, bright eyed, optimistic. And the premise of, of, of Proverbs is that, look, if you use wisdom and you make good godly decisions, then life, it should go pretty well for you. The book of Proverbs is a book of proverbial sayings, meaning that they're mostly true nine times out of 10. This is how it's going to end up that if you use your money wisely, then you'll never be in want that if you invest in your relationships, then you're going to have a lifelong friendship. If you honor God, then God is going to bless you. But then Ecclesiastes shows up <clears throat> and Ecclesiastes gives us sort of the exceptions to the rule, the, the one time out of 10 perspective, pointing out all the glitches in Proverbs perfect system. So think of, think, think of the teacher in Ecclesiastes as this like old pessimistic philosophy professor. He's, he's sort of a curmudgeon and he just sits around all day, smoking his pipe, critiquing the world. And so he says things like, look, I know what Proverbs taught you, but listen, she's naive. Let me tell you how the world really works. I've seen people who use their money wisely and yet they still go bankrupt for no fault of their own. The economy just tanks. I know people who have been faithful in their marriage, but their spouse wasn't. I know people who have been good parents, but their child just gets caught up in the wrong crowd. Look, life just happens sometimes and we can't explain it. 
Ecclesiastes, he's, he's the guy that you see walking down the street and you turn and go the other direction, right? He's, he's that kind of guy. I mean, he, he has a message that we all do need to hear. Maybe we don't want to hang out with him for a whole lot of time, but he does have a message that we all do need to hear. And so today I'm going to try to um, teach you the entire book of Ecclesiastes in one message. We're not going to read all of it. And, and then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a look at this a little bit more in depth. But today I just want to introduce you to this book, but I've got to warn you. Because I know some of you, you're going to go home, you're going to find your Bible, you're going to try to find the book of Ecclesiastes, it's about in the middle there, and you're going to try to read it on your own. That's fine, but let me warn you, you have to read it in its entirety. Don't just open it up and say, oh, this looks interesting, and read a couple verses and then say, yeah, I'll pick it up there tomorrow. That's very dangerous. That if you're going to start it, then you need to end it. It was meant to be read in one entire sitting. And besides, it's 12 chapters, so that's like eight pages or 14 if you have large print. If you're going to start it, you got to finish it. So Ecclesiastes, he, he begins, the teacher uh, begins with his uh, doctoral thesis statement. You all remember thesis statements. Whenever you write an academic paper, you have to put your thesis statement about this is what I'm arguing from. And then everything else flows from it. So he begins by giving us his thesis statement because he knows, look, even if you don't make it through the rest of this book, because things are going to get a little rough. If you don't make it through, I'm going to give you at the very beginning, my thesis statement, the conclusion, the bottom line. And so he says this. Here's his conclusion as he has experienced life. This is what he has concluded as he has experienced all of life. It says the words of the teacher of the assembly, David's son, king in Jerusalem. This is the author speaking, introducing us to the teacher. So what's the meaning of life? Here we go. <clears throat> Perfectly pointless, says the teacher. Perfectly pointless. Everything is pointless. All right, let's uh, pray and go get an early lunch, I guess. Right. Uh, but, but that's it. Perfectly pointless. Everything is pointless and everything else the teacher is going to say goes this whole way. It, it's kind of like if Frank Costanza were to write a part of the Bible, perfectly pointless, perfectly pointless. Everything is pointless. I've seen it all. I've done it all. I got the t-shirt and I've come to conclude that everything is totally pointless. Aren't you so glad you came to church today, right? Happy new year. Cheer everybody up. But, but let me, let me help us with this. Okay. Um, because this isn't a great translation of the teacher's original words. In fact, most English translations have a hard time getting at this. Maybe, maybe your Bible, it says meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless or vanity of vanities, like whatever that means, a dresser of dressers or something like that. But in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, the word is hevel. And you'll say that word hevel with me. It, it's fairly easy to say. Um, and, and let me, let me try to sort of demonstrate this for us. So in Hebrew, that word hevel, it, it means something like smoke or breath or vapor. And so it's this idea that, that everything in life, it's sort of like vapor. 
that, that it's here one minute and then it's gone the next and, and it, and it vanishes and, and it's beautiful mesmerizing. And when we, when we look at it, it it takes one shape and then the next minute it takes another shape, just like life can take one shape and then a next, but it can also be disorienting. Like if you're trying to drive in the thick of this, it can be hard to see your way through it, like driving in a fog and so the teacher is saying that, that all of life is, is like this. It's beautiful. It's mysterious, but it's also fleeting. The teacher also uses this metaphor of a vapor in another way to say that, that life is, is kind of like an enigma that, that it's, it's confusing and it, it doesn't always make sense that, that just, that just when um, you, you, you try to grab hold of it, you actually can't. He's not saying that all of life is, is totally meaningless, but that like a vapor, it appears solid. But when you go in to grab it, there's nothing actually to it. It vanishes. That, that you can see it, but then it's gone. And so the teacher will say things like, you know, there is so much beauty and there is so much goodness in this world. But the moment that you try to grab hold of it, you can't actually grab it. You can't actually attain it. He says, all of this is like a chasing after the wind that we chase after the things in life that appear real, like beauty and goodness and wealth and justice but we can't ever hold on to those things in this fallen and broken world that has been compromised by evil. It's just all a chasing after the wind. He says later on in chapter two, the teacher says all their days, all human days are pain and their work is aggravation. Even at night, their hearts don't find rest. This too is pointless. It's heavy. It's vapor that you work hard. You're the first one in the office in the morning. You're the last one to leave. But by the time that you go home, you're stressed out, you're burned out and you haven't taken a vacation in years. That's heavy, pointless, uh, chasing after the wind that, that the thing that you are trying to attain through this, whether it was wealth or security or stability, there's actually nothing that can be gained through it. Cheerful stuff, right? He's, he's, a, he's a chipper guy. But Jesus did say a similar thing, didn't he? In Mark chapter 8, when Jesus says, what does it profit a person to, to have gained the whole world and yet forfeit or lose their soul? Jesus says that too is hevel, vapor. So let's go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. He continues on with verse three. He says, what do people gain from all the hard work that they work so hard at under the sun? He's asking us, what, what do you gain by, by all of your hard work? Well, I, I work so I can get a paycheck and, and afford to pay for the things that, that I have in life. 
teacher would say, okay, well, tell me what, what, what are some of those things? Well, I got a car. Oh, okay. And, and, and what do you do with that car? Drive it. Okay. And then what do you do with it? Well, I, I drive it for a while until it gets too old. Okay. And then after it gets too old, then, then what do you do with your car? But trade it for what? Car. That's my point. <laughs> How is that useful? This is all pointless. You, you get a car, you get a house, you get a phone, and then you end up just trading it. What do you really get? Well, I got some stuff. Oh, okay. What are you going to do with your stuff? I'm going to, I'm going to use it. Then what? Trade it. <laughs> Or maybe leave it. Oh, who are you going to leave it to? I, I don't know. My, my kids, I, I guess. What are they going to do with it? Use it. Trade it. Leave it. That's my point. This is all pointless. He goes on, verse four. He says, a generation comes and a generation goes. But the earth remains as it always has you. You think you're so special, but you're really not your whole life. You've been working to, to build a career or build a family or build something in your life, all your hard work to accumulate some stuff so that you can go and retire and play golf and die. And then do you know what happens the day after the sun rises and the sun sets and we think, no, 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 not, not possibly. My life is going to diff be different. And Solomon says, nah, not really. <laughs> a generation goes and a generation comes. And then he really cheers us up. He says this in verse nine, he says, whatever has happened, that's what will happen again. Whatever has occurred, that's what will occur again. That all the things that you've done in your lifetime, they've all been done before. And whatever you do do, somebody else is going to come on alongside behind you and do the same things that you've done and probably better than you did it. And they will have forgotten what you ever did to begin with. You're not that special. I mean, think about technology, right? We, we've advanced so far. We have these powerful little computers in our pockets. But the teacher would say, okay, what do you use that for? To communicate with other human beings? Humanity has been doing the same thing since the dawn of civilization. Okay, but it helps me tell time. Yeah, been there, done that. He goes on. He says, there's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. People may say about something, look at this. It, it's new, but it's already been around for ages before us. There's no remembrance of things in the past, nor of things to come in the future. There's nothing new under the sun. And he just goes on and on and on and on about the futility of life and the meaninglessness of it all. It's all vapor. It's all going to be gone. You're not that special. And we read this book and we go, 
why is this in the Bible? And if you're young, you think this is just so depressing. And if you're old, you think, aha, I knew it. (laughs) I was right all along. It's all pointless. I've worked hard my whole life so I can leave some stuff to my kids who don't even appreciate it or my spouse. It, it's all so perfectly pointless. I, I look at, I get up every day. I look in the mirror and I'm just another day older. The calendar flips to another day and it's just another day. I'm just doing the same thing that my parents did. And when I look in the mirror, who do I see? But my dad looking back at me. Pointless. But as difficult as this message is, it's kind of true, right? But we, we do still kind of fall right into place in this. But here's, here's the trick to understanding this book, to understanding what the teacher is trying to teach us. We, we have to understand that he's taunting us. He's, he's baiting us. In fact, at the end of the book, when the author speaks back up to give a conclusion of everything that the teacher has taught us so far, he says, look, the teacher is very wise, but his teachings are like goads. You know, goads are goads are, are the pointy sticks with a nail on the end that shepherds use to poke the sheep, to get them to go in a certain direction. So he says, the teacher's teachings, all of this stuff, it's, it's like he's goading us. He's poking us. He's prodding us to try to get us to go in a certain direction. And what direction is that? Well, he says, this is, this is the little key phrase under the sun. That, that's, that's the key, the secret key to unlocking Ecclesiastes. 29 times that phrase pops up throughout the book. And the teacher pokes us and prods us and goads us and taunts us with the futility of life, the meaninglessness of it all, the vapor of it all, until we finally scream, there's got to be more to life than just this life. There's got to be more to life than just what I can see here. That if all that we see in life is what we see under the sun, then there is no meaning to life. If if all that we see to life is is what we can experience under the sun, then, then there is no meaning to life. It's meaningless, perfectly pointless vapor chasing after the wind here today, gone tomorrow, round and round and round you go until you end up as everybody does. So go ahead, live for the vacation, live for the weekend party. But Monday is always coming. And the ultimate Monday is coming for all of us. Death. You see the teacher's whole purpose It is to try to deconstruct all of the ways that we try to find meaning and purpose in this world apart from God. He's trying to get us to ask this question. What if, what, what if, what if there is something more to this life than just this life? What, what if there's, there's more to this life than just what we see under the sun? Because after all, those of us who are followers of Jesus, right? Ecclesiastes is not the last book. There's so much more to this story. And so let me just 
tease you with some good news. We're going to come back to this over the next couple weeks, but let me just tease you with a little bit of good news. Cause I know, I know it's been rough. The teacher says in Ecclesiastes three verse 11, he says, God has made everything fitting in its time, but he has also placed eternity in their human hearts without enabling them to discover what God has done from beginning to end. But he's saying that, you know, in all the randomness of this world, in in all the chaos and the disorder, every now and again, we, we stumble upon something in this world that is so fitting it's so perfect. It's so beautiful that it, that it causes us to ask, maybe, maybe there is something more to this life than just this life. Something that, that causes us to lift our eyes out from under the sun to see something that is beyond. And he says, God has placed eternity in the human heart. There is something within every human heart to know and believe that there is something more than just this life. There's something more than just what we can see under the sun. And we may not understand it. We, we may not be able to grasp it in this world, but he says, that's the point. Stop trying to make your own meaning of your life. Stop trying to make your own purpose of your life. Instead, follow God's purpose. Because under the sun, there's so much injustice. Uh, Under the sun, there's so much randomness. Under the sun, there's so much pain. Sometimes the economy just turns and the person who has done everything right goes bankrupt while others just add to their portfolios. Sometimes under the sun, a virus strikes and the whole world gets shut down. And other times, there's health and happiness. But he does say, he says, there there will be a day under God's judgment when all that is evil will be dealt with. When when all this hevel, this smoke, this vapor of this world will be pushed away and we can see clearly. And he says, and I believe that God will do the right thing at the right time. So there's still a whole lot more that that we need to talk about with this difficult and and wise teaching. But, But let me just end today with giving you one final thought. One, one final thought for the younger folks who maybe haven't hit that midlife crisis yet. And, and a final thought for the older folks who, who maybe have, it goes back to that first question. What do we do with the time that we have? What are we supposed to do with the time that we have? And I, along with the teacher of Ecclesiastes would say, pour your time into something that is beyond just the bookends of your life. So to those who have a hard time with Ecclesiastes, here's, here's the lesson for you. Do not trade the integrity of your life. The things that really matter, your marriage, your children, your family, your calling for a job that somebody else could replace you in the next week. Don't, don't trade in the things of your life that really matter for a car that somebody else could own after you trade it in. Don't chase after the wind. 
because you will wish that you could go back and trade all of that in for something or someone's who will come after you. And to the older folks, let me say, don't run off and do the retirement thing. Don't, don't, don't let that be it. Don't, don't run off to the beach house or, or to the golf course because we need you. You are the punctuation mark to everything else that we have said here today. You have a lifetime of experience that we need. You're the living illustration of how silly it is to chase after the things of this world. Like it's chasing after the wind. You spent your entire life gaining a lifetime of experience and we need that. And even if you're thinking, well, I've made so many mistakes and so many poor life decisions. Nobody will ever possibly listen to me. Okay. At least serve as a bad example for the rest of us, right? Please. But really the question that Ecclesiastes forces us, forces you to really wrestle with is this, is that if all there is to this life, it is what we can see under the sun. Then go ahead. Go, go play golf. Go spend all your money on clothes. Go fly around the world. Because if all there is to this world and to this life is what is under the sun, then, then go ahead. Go soak it up. But God has placed eternity in your heart. And you know better. So why not leverage your time, the time of your life for the next generation coming after you? For all of us, the message that we need to hear from this book, especially on the dawn of this new year, is for us to remember that our days, they are numbered. And to live our lives as if they're numbered, but to live our lives as if our days are numbered by a God who cares deeply about us. Uh, days are numbered by a God who has purposes for our lives that are beyond what we could see or experience to, to live our lives as if our days are numbered by a God who has invited you into a story that is so much bigger and so much grander than you could ever possibly imagine today we get to have just a foretaste of what that is because we believe that Jesus has actually done something new, new, new. He came to bring us a new covenant, a new way of relating to God. He, he came from beyond the sun to bring that new thing here to this earth. And he gives it to us freely. It's his grace. And it's a feast. As Ecclesiastes will say later on, the best thing that we can have in life is a feast. And Jesus has given us a feast. I invite you to come and have a foretaste of what is beyond the sun. A foretaste of the kingdom of God.